he's a man who is very internally conflicted. It's a hard thing to portray. Well, there's a lot of Walter White, I thought, in some of the later things, the, some of the Act Two revelations, where it's like there is um, an mm-hmm. there is an off ramp for Willie to make good on some of the things he's been saying. Well, if you're well liked, you know, you'll never fail, and all because he's got people in his life that do like him and want to help him and don't want to just eat the fruit, throw it, appeal. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we are talking about the 1985 television adaptation of A Death of a Salesman. This won the Television Critic Association Award for Program of the Year, an Outstanding Achievement in Drama, and more on the way, which we'll talk about. It's directed by Volker Schlondorf, who is a German film director and writer. He won an Oscar for 1979's The Tin Drum. Have you seen that film, Jim? No, it's a fucked up and anti-war German film. Uh, it's based on Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller, one of the great American playwrights. He also wrote the uh, screenplay for this movie, as well as the play The Crucible, as well as the 1990 Winona Ryder adaptation of Same, A View from the Bridge, and All My Sons, and just many, many more. This adaptation stars Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman in 1985 took to the small screen to play Willie Lomach here, uh, which he received a Golden Globe and Emmy for Best Actor. Dustin Hoffman's been in lots of stuff. Kramer vs. Kramer, Rain Man, The Graduate, Marathon Man, All the President's Men. Younger audience members might recognize him from Hook or I Heart Huckabees. Rounders. Also- How could you forget him? Round, yeah, he's also the voice of uh, the Kung Fu Master and Kung Fu Panda. Also stars Kate Reed, which I enjoyed her work on The Andromeda Strain, uh, as well as a young John Malkovich, who also won an Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor in this movie. I first saw him in Empire of the Sun. I think everyone in high school saw of our generation saw him of, in, in, in of Mice and Men with Gary Sinise. He's also in Con Air and, of course, being John Malkovich and bald movers know him as the new pope. Oh, that's what I was talking about with Rounders. I thought you were already on John Malkovich. Oh, I was like, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is in fucking no, Dustin Rounders? Dustin Hoffman is okay. not in Rounders. All right. Stephen Lang. Did you recognize Stephen Lang, the younger brother? Uh, not until of... I went and looked, him, looked at the actors in this on IMDb and then I was shocked. I can't believe this sweet boy plays the psychotic colonel from avatar Mm -hmm. the movies uh he was also just a a real dumb asshole in tombstone (laughs) as well as uh, he's in the men who stare at goats which is an under underrated weird film uh also had charles uh, durning who's a character actor who's been in the sting tootsie oh brother where art thou as well as john polito from the rocketeer the crow miller's crossing barton fink the big lebowski um this was commissioned by David P and he wanted to uh, dedicate this podcast to Ryan. Didn't have much to say. He said, I'm glad you guys liked the idea of the commission. Cause I said, you know, it's, uh, it's got a huge reputation. Never seen it. Kind of curious. It's got a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes. It's one of my favorite displays of acting power ever. Ever since my friend group and I were shown this film in high school, we have been using Willie's quotes. Do you and Jim have a favorite from the movie? We'll talk about that in a minute. Says I've been a club member since 2017. I trust you guys to choose the talking points for the rest. Well, appreciate your faith in us, David. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see if uh, we can we can deliver the goods here, Jim. I'm wondering 
is this the first time you've dealt with the death of a salesman? And what did you make of the death of said salesman? Yeah, this is the first time I've seen it. Uh, I'm going to say something truly shocking here that I think uh, might cause a shitstorm on the internet. Death of a Salesman is a great movie. I know. Your your hair is blown back. You're shocked yeah. by that revelation. Eyebrow, uh, brows above my head somehow. Uh-huh. No, it's it's incredible. I mean, y- y- you have to like storytelling and you have to be interested in tragedies because there is no real action in this movie. This is this is first and foremost a play, so it takes place sort of in very singular locations. It doesn't move around much. Um, you know, the movie feels like a play, but it's a damn good one. Yeah, um, I thought I saw this movie yesterday and it really depressed me like it's extremely depressing. Um, It is very bleak. Um, I guess I was, you know, because I'm familiar with this. This movie has or I'm sorry, this stage play has been referenced by Looney Tunes, by The Simpsons, by. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just so many touchstone. It is. It's like Casablanca, some of these others, and 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 I haven't ever seen it, so I didn't fully appreciate how much this had penetrated. And I guess that's one of the depressing things because it deals with themes that I thought maybe I'm an idiot. I thought maybe we had just started wrestling with in like the '60s and '70s at the <laughs> earliest. You know, this thing about the discontent with the American dream, the yes, uh, endless treadmill of materialism. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the the lie of of the image of America. Yeah, yeah, the 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 need to keep up the Joneses and wear a face. Like I mm-hmm. thought that that's something. And and here is something that was written at the height of the American glory days, where you know everyone says that's when times were good and people were able to make advancement, and you were able to you know that's when you know had secure jobs with pensions and. I mean, uh, to the extent that this resonated with audiences at the time, and it did, per- turns out all that's bullshit. Um, was there ever a time when America was great? Uh, was there ever a time when there was economic prosperity for all? Um, and there's like, uh, you know, it's, uh, the thing is, like, I, I thought it was really amazing some of the commentary on this, uh, not just this film, because this is just one particular version of it, mm-hmm. but like the screenplay itself. You know, a lot of people it seems like they don't get the systemic and they all like, you know, Willie is a crazy person. Willie has squandered his opportunities. Uh, his, you know, it's like, it's like a, a moral tragedy, a personal failing where it's like, to me, I got sure. all the, I mean, all that might be true, but you know, uh, there's this great quote. If you want one, David, uh, where, uh, what does he says to his boss? It's like, you can't eat the orange and throw out the peel. A man's not a piece of fruit. Mm-hmm. A man is a piece of fruit, and and women too. At this point, like a uh, company will happily eat the fruit out of you and throw away the peel when there's none left. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. so all yeah. all of the themes and the generational conflict and and uh, the always looking back to a golden era and always being discontent with that, like all those things resonated with me in 2024 so hard, and I was not expecting that. Can I try and cheer you up with maybe Arthur Miller's view of the tragedy 
um, the dead a storytelling man? device. The the man who died. Uh, and 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 and. I mean, well, okay. If you want to take it there, the... we all die. Yes, sure. you're eventually going to die. Sure. T- tell I me. Guess tell I can't me the dead. You up past that. Tell me the dead man's thoughts on America. Uh, no, the dead man's thoughts on the the concept of a tragedy as like a story. Um, he he views he says that tragedy doesn't necessarily have to be pessimistic. It can also be hopeful, and it's hopeful in the fact that the the core conceit of the tragedy is that someone recognizes that they are not properly valued, um, or or they they refuse to remain passive in the face of indignity or something like that, and sort of in that human trait lies the hopefulness of a tragedy they will not just sit there and take it that things can be changed um, or that at the very least people will refuse to sit by and not try to change them and I think that's something that large I mean this is a man who's writing post depression right so he's lived through an era where things were I would say much worse than they are now even and that's kind oh. of like the the hopefulness of it is that we can press ever forward and make things a little bit better one piece at a time. Yeah, post depression, post World War II, lots of tragedy to go around, and yet, yeah, I mean that that's not nothing. And we're um, not there, I, you know. That's doesn't feel like I that. W- I will say that there is a couple of trepidations I had that I shared with uh, David here um, going in his project. Number one, this is a 1985 made-for-TV film. I was thinking it was going to look cheap. It was going to be mm-hmm. cheap. Um, I was intrigued the fact that because like back in the day, there was a pretty hard wall that divided the silver screen from the small screen. Oh, yeah. And actors usually only flowed one way through that. And it was, you know, when they fell from grace and that they're, you know, they're long in the tooth. They started. I didn't think that apply. Like this is Dustin Hoffman towards the height of his career and John Malkovich at the beginning lot of other fine actors the other thing um so i I was worried about that um the other thing is like i've never really been impressed with dustin hoffman as an actor now interesting that's because i've not seen a lot of dustin hoffman's like early works where he was you know this is the al pacino syndrome if you've only seen al pacino you know in a scent of a post scent of a woman then he's not the same guy he was earlier in his career i'm I I actually came away with a lot of respect for Dustin Hoffman because he is acting his fucking ass off and doing really hard hairpin turns in terms of character and sometimes set and setting. Um, so that was completely I, yeah I completely come around on on um, Dustin Hoffman like he kind of blows Malcolm. Uh, John Malkovich off the stage a couple of times, which. John Malkovich, Malkovich that's fights, not easy he to fights do. back for sure yeah I'm not saying uh, it's like scenes, but yeah Dustin Hoffman is amazing in this absolutely yeah just incredible the transformation this guy does and the, the verbal dexterity that he has and the the dexterity of his his, his acting persona and, and everything so is like much to memorize I mean if, if you're talking about this is a script and Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. has to I mean he's monologuing basically the entire movie and long takes. And the other thing is like, um, yeah, I think this film was probably cheaply made, but it doesn't look like it because it's it's filmed like it is on a stage. Like you have there's the, the one that can see to this yeah. film is 
it's Willie, the salesperson, at the end of his career. He is starting to show signs of early dementia. His, his, his wife and children are worried about him. And he rapidly will iterate from being in the kitchen talking to his wife, and he's 65 years old. And then the camera will shift like 18 inches down. The studio lights will come up bright and suddenly he's back 30 years ago in his glory days with his kids, you know, teenager. Mm -hmm. And and there's no cut. There's no change of makeup. It, it makes it feel like a stage play for sure. And, and yeah, like the, the his house in the current day is dingy and dull. And when they turn up the lights, it's like the it, it, yeah, it's exactly what they do probably in the stage play. But it's such a transformation. Mm -hmm. And he seamlessly steps into that. You know, he, he's. Uh, he's a lot more focused. He's a lot more upbeat. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, uh, hints that he's an unreliable narrator. So you're trying to constantly figure out, well, what is the real story here? They also give there's a there's a lot of out of sequence storytelling. So like you find like, OK, something happened in Boston. I wonder what it is. And yeah, yeah. But I found those the way they use the sets with the color and the camera angle and Dustin Hoffman's performance to do a 30 year flashback all mm -hmm. in the same take and long takes. And he just keeps up with it. It, it looked, I, I actually loved the way it looked. I do too. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say this is a German director. I didn't look him up and I didn't realize that. But now that you say that I'm like, Oh yeah, there's impre German impressionistic stuff all over this movie. Like if you look at the yeah. construction of the sets, it's yes. not just that they have a stage play like look and that they transform when you give them different lighting, it's also they are creating an atmosphere based on their construction. If if you look at their apartment, um, he's constantly talking about how the city is this. It's almost an adversary for him. He hates the city. It's destroyed the nature that he loved, the trees across the street, all this stuff. And you can see his apartment, the walls don't fully connect. And between those gaps, you see these massive high-rise apartment buildings all around you. There is no sky. He talks about not being able to see stars. And the set construction there, yeah, it's got that impressionistic feel where you just kind of feel the atmosphere that he's talking about. There's also a lot of great things that they do where, like, the wife and the kids are having a conversation where they're worried about Willie and he's not on the set. But you'll hear, like, a screen door bang and then you realize he's been there and, oh, my God, how much they, like, authentically put you. You start, like, oh, my God, how much did dad just hear? Mm -hmm. You know, like what kind of it's there's a lot there's like a claustrophobia and a paranoia that they're able to kind of construct out of Willie's mental state and the way the set works and the fact that dad went out to take the trash and you're not sure when he'll be back. Like I, I just I, I was just amazed at what they're able to do with lighting and camera angles. And that's it. Those were the ways that they trans. That's how mm -hmm. you flash back and flash forward um, or you'll see. You know, the set's dark. You'll see like a spotlight hit a figure in the background um, who's Willie's brother who may or may not be dead. And he'll you know, start having a conversation with that guy that didn't get confused with this present day conversation. And it's just mm -hmm. it sounds like it. Like, I, I can't imagine reading this on the page and what a confusing mess it must be. And the yeah. director and again, sheer force of Dustin Hoffman's acting power. Just I never felt confused about what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Um, that's the other thing. The storytelling, I think, like you said, it being sort of piecemeal and out of order, I think really contributed to me 
getting engaged with the story because I'm trying to figure out, okay, who is Willie Loman? Why does he have a strange relationship with these people in his life? Um, was there some event that caused this or is this a personal failing of his? Is it a personality flaw? Uh, and over the course of the movie, you gradually, there are several stages and it reveals itself in steps where you get more, uh, a slightly clearer picture of the puzzle. Um, and then eventually it does reveal kind of the absolute truths of it because that's the other thing. Willie Loman is, as you said, an unreliable narrator because he's a conflicted man. He's lying to himself. He said, and that's the other thing that's so impressive about Hoffman's performance is in in one breath he will say, you know, I have high hopes for the future. And the next breath he'll say, our family is rotten and our sons are no good and we're all doomed, you know? he He's a man who is very internally conflicted. That's a hard thing to portray. Well, there's a lot of Walter White, I thought, in some of the later things, the, some of the Act Two revelations, where it's like there is um, an e- mm-hmm. there's an off ramp for Willie to make good on some of the things he's been saying. Well, if you're well liked, you know, you'll never fail, and all because he's got people in his life that do like him and want to help him and don't want to just eat the fruit and throw it appeal. Sure, but for whatever reason, because he's chasing a glory days that used to be and never got there he's trying to make up mm-hmm. for his sons mm-hmm. he's trying to keep up with uh, the appetite that his more successful neighbors have for whatever reason he can't yeah. take those off ramps like it's you know another one it's of these cases like like walter white yeah. a man would literally rather kill himself with a rubber hose than go to therapy or to you know talk about <laughs> his feelings or, uh-huh. or take a job offer from a friend um but I, I got a lot of that kind of like, yeah, you kind of want to feel sorry for Willie and he is in a bad spot and late stage capitalism and all that kind of stuff. But also every single off ramp he could have taken off of the rat race, he doesn't because of his pride. And and also because he is losing his mind. Like, I don't think he, he is, is. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like what, you know, um, in in any era of America, like if you're not already made it and you no longer are useful to society, they'll just be happy to spit Mm -hmm. out your bones and they digested all the good parts. So, yeah, absolutely. No, I I mean, man, Willie Loman is a character worth, I don't know, hundreds of hours of analysis. I'm sure I I do want to talk in kind of in more detail around certain story beats, but like, like, his his kids are also a mess, and I think that's one of the things that bugs him, right, is because he had such high hopes for his own life, and he ended up a squandering might not be the word for it, but he ended up not where he wanted to be as far as yeah. his measure of success. And I think he, he boils that down to a, maybe two decisions he made not to go with his brother to... <laughs> Alaska, quote unquote, um, which turns out to actually be Africa later. Uh, he he made the choice not to follow him on that dream, and he lost whatever opportunity he had of feeling successful, and that has stuck with him. I think his entire life, and now he has these children who he's pinned his hopes on for some measure of success right okay if i can't be a success maybe at least my children can yeah, i will teach them, them surely yeah right i'll teach them how to be well liked and i'll teach them how to be successful and and you know the entire movie he's questioning ben his brother who did become very rich uh from a diamond mine in africa he's questioning him like 
how did you do it? You know, you walked into the woods at 17, you came out at 21, you were rich. He's successful. Why can't I figure it out? And he's imparting all this wisdom to his children at the same time. That turns out to not be wisdom at all. Yeah. And also low key, his brother built his fortune on a lot of misery in Africa. (laughs) Absolutely. This is before he had the, the pre-conflict. This is pre pre pre-conflict diamonds before everyone gave a shit like this. Yeah, and the, he, the life he's talking, the, the methods that you get around the edges of, of what Ben had to do to become successful are dark. I mean, mm. the first time we meet him, I think he's in the backyard with the kids um, and they're all, you know, showing off. Right. They're throwing the football. They're flexing they're They're going to be stars. They're going to be hugely successful. And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, well, why don't you fight me? Why don't you try and punch me? You know, show me what you got. And so Biff does. And he's like, oh, very impressive. And then he trips him with this cane. He, he does a dirty move here and knocks him to the yeah. ground. And he says something to the effect of get used to this because this is what it takes to actually be successful. You right. have to be cutthroat. You have to be miserable to people. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot Again, of that stuff this, around the, the edges. The, the context is this isn't in Manhattan. This is in like the Congo. Okay, so it's like, like yeah, right. There's a whole yeah, and, and I I thought that was and there's like man, there's so many layers. Like again, I just watched this first. It's so dense. Like there's this there's this yes. um thematic element of whistling that I couldn't believe how many times they twisted that and turned it into different shapes to have like different realizations for for for. Really? Uh, I didn't Willy. pick up on that. What, yeah, well, that's what, what I'm that saying. Like, there's probably three or four that you picked up on that I didn't. I just I'm saying there's a couple that I noticed that like, oh, they are doing so many meditations and the same thing at so many times yeah. that it's like I think this is something that would reward multiple watches, and I also think this is something that would reward seeing multiple productions. I know there was a notable one mm-hmm. in the '90s. There was a notable one in the '70s. I gotta say, I'm gonna be looking for this locally now. If I see a, a stage of death, a, you know, repertory theater doing this or up at the air and yeah. off, like, I, yeah, because like, it's one of those things that you can really sink your teeth into and and get different analysis. I, I've heard that this um, that this Hoffman one is one of the better ones. Like, this is one of the definitive okay. ones. It's very screen accurate. Um, it's very it adheres very closely to the literal dialogue and, and spirit of the material. So I'm glad I which, got such a nice base. Which Hoffman won? So it's confused because Philip Seymour Hoffman did a stage play version of this with Andrew Garfield. Dude, I've heard I would love to find a recording of that because I've heard yeah. that that is fucking fire. Like I, I was like, I bet there was a thread in, on Reddit that was comparing the different versions and everybody's like, did you see the Philip Seymour Hoffman with again, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man uh-huh. as as Biff, mm-hmm. the oldest, the oldest son. I'm like, oh, my God, that's got to be so that's got to be so good because you can just I can see like. You know, but I think both Hoff, both Hoffmans have this kind of vulnerability that they're able to tap into pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Hoffman's is kind of his stature and his, confi- you know, the the fact that he's kind of a, a, a <laughs> compact, confined person. Well, I'm Dustin. sorry, Dustin. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I think Philip Seymour has got, you know, he's got a, he's actually a pretty brawny, strapping lad. Um, big presence, but he also has this like, you know, emotional, psychological wounded uh, thing that he can kind of turn up. I would love to see that because, yeah, I think he would make a great Willie Loman. And they both have Uh, a lot of Surely there's got to be a Blu-ray. 
or a YouTube yeah, video or something, so. you can see that. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Stage plays can be elusive. I they got me thinking about that when I realized, oh, this was a stage play to begin with. Uh-huh. People, when you know the it, before the advent of television and cinema, you really couldn't get a story unless you you were there when it happened. Yep, that's crazy to me. Because um, yeah, I would love to see a version of Philip Seymour Hoffman's. Yeah, and like all the ones that. Uh we'll never be able to see because you know, they mm-hmm. happen before they are recorded. And yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm kind of wanting to see a bunch more of these. What else do we, I know there's tons more to talk about, but is there anything in generalities before we get into the meat? I don't think so. Um, well then let's get to the synopsis. Uh, if you haven't seen this before, this is about a salesman, Willie Loman, who has spent 35 years with an agency selling. I, do they ever specify what he sale, sells? No, intentionally. So. so, uh, he's been selling and he has had more or less success. And of recent years, he started to slip. Um, his wife and his children are worried about his mental state. Um, and this is, uh, you know, essentially the last few, I mean, it's called the death of a salesman. So buckle up. Uh, this is, this Mm -hmm. is a Kevin Spacey, American beauty situation where we're going to follow him for his last few days of his life. And we're also going to flash forwards and backwards in time as he kind of free associates his life, his relationship with his wife, his mistress, his sons, his business partners, and we see constantly shifting to the present day reality, the former glory days, how much of that is real, how much of it is not. And it's it goes places. Uh, that's that's about all I can say. Uh, you know, I think you're you're probably in or you're out. This is not a hard film, thing to find. I think you can watch it in its entirety on YouTube. There's a, pl- a bunch of places where you can see mm-hmm. it for free with commercials. I paid, I think, two ninety nine to watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, this is the 1985 version that you want. And again, if you if you're put off by the fact that it's a made-for-TV movie set in the 80s, which honestly, fair play, I would highly encourage you to not let that be a barrier because it does not feel like you know if it's got a full theatrical release, it wouldn't have surprised me. It doesn't look yeah. like it's small. It doesn't look like it's small. I saw you know and and you know a, a nice transfer, so it wasn't mm-hmm. standard def. That would have been a little rough. It's a great film. Uh, where do we want to start? How about that whistle thing? That seemed to kind of blow your mind. Yeah, I, so I, I remember he, it being mentioned a couple times, like a man who whistles in the elevator is not taken seriously or something. Well, yeah. So like Biff and I think his brother blames him whistling on an elevator of like losing his job because that's just not what a serious person does. But the next door neighbor kid grows up, uh, whistles in the lobby of his father's business Hmm. Uh, and then when Willie goes to beseech his uh, boss, they're like, hey, can you put me here in New York so I don't have to drive a couple hundred miles? And, you know, I'm only getting $50 a week in sales anyway. I can make and he, he gets put off. He, you know, he's got this new recording machine. And one of the things he's so proud to show off right. is his children learning to whistle. And I thought that's like such an interesting little Rubik's Cube of these people who are in a rat race and are trying to like, why can't I be as successful as the neighbor? It's because I flunked that one class in math. It's because I whistled that one time and looked like a fool. It's because I'm not as tall and good looking as the other guy. It's because no, it's mostly just random doodah luck. Like, yeah, his Adonis. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. as Adonis' sons are outworked by the nerd. Bernard, um, yeah. Uh, Willie's boss, who is the son of the other boss, he didn't get there by merit, and he's just as goofy and schlubby looking as Willie. And, and you know, he's he's showing off how his family is a bunch of group of whistlers. And it's just like, I think it's, again, it's it's not a, a big thematic thing, but it reinforces the fact that the it's a game the rules are made up and it's nevertheless rigged and anyone can win, but not everyone can win. Yeah. And it, well, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the the true lie of the American dream is that it's a zero sum game. Um, and, and nobody talks about that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, and I think you, you, your theme of um, dumb luck being such a huge factor in it is reinforced by Ben, actually. The guy who did find success uh, became very rich he, because he's a dumbass, thought he was going north to Alaska, ended up, oops, I went southeast, and I ended up in Africa. This guy can't find Africa on a map, and yet he's the richest person to ever, that Willie's ever known. If that isn't dumb luck, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and there's also this other theme of the good old days not really being the good old days. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, 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 you've probably seen like uh, a 2000 year history of older generations bitching about y- uh, younger generations. Like I, the best one I've seen is like literally goes back and it's like, you know, here's a New York Times article from 2023 saying how bad millennials and zillennials suck. Here is mm-hmm. an article from 1985 talking about how bad the baby boomer generation sucks and are not going to make it. Here's something from the 60s. Here's something from the eight, 1920s. Here's something from the Civil War. All the way back to like you go to Aristotle and Plato where they're like <laughs> uh-huh. these smooth faced men don't they're too soft. The first time mm-hmm. we have a famine or a war, they're going to they're going to burn like chap. Like there's this eternal thing of thinking that the days used to be better. They're bad now. And it's the young people's fault when really those days weren't any better. You were just young and you weren't cynical and your back didn't hurt and your dick still mm-hmm. worked. And it seems like, like it's, it's, it's really typified by Willie saying, Oh, back in those days, remember when I had that hot red Chevy and mm-hmm. then you flash back and he's doing nothing but bitching and moaning about that red Chevy because it's always in the shop and it doesn't run right. And it's never should have been off the factory. It's like nothing is true. He just remembers that because yeah. that was when he was young and he felt good and his wife was young and his kids were young and all his hopes and dreams are ahead. Just like his wife said, Willie's only happy when he has something to look forward to. Yeah, no, that was super interesting as well. You know, his kids coming home, but the closer he gets, the worse Willie feels. Um, and I think we find out later in the movie why that actually is. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely that that theme all over this movie. And it's just like the jealousy and like the the way the the cognitive dissonance. Like he talks about his brother Ben. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to one of these days I'm going to have my own business like my like Ben, but not like Ben. It's going to be bigger because, you know, Ben was not well liked and I've always been well liked. And but yet. But he's not. Yeah. He's not. His brother seemed like he was a very well liked guy. Um, Willie, I don't think was ever well. But that's other is like. 
how much of when he went to his boss, who is this the his old boss's son, where Willie's like, you know, there was promises made over this desk. I had that one year where I sold X amount of money. I was somebody. How much of that is Willie misremembering, and how much of it is the son? being ungrateful to the old man who stands before him who can't do what he used to do. I think it's like, mostly Willie being um, mis- misremembering, maybe intentionally. I mean, if you look at what happens with Biff, um, where Biff goes to this Oliver guy and he is supposed to, I don't know, explain to him some uh, half-baked sports equipment venture that he wants to go on and ask for like a million dollars or something it's no. it's an insane idea but he goes to this Oliver guy and he realizes somewhere along the way oh I you you weren't actually like the sale you weren't a sales clerk for this guy you were just like some stock boy uh-huh. uh, but but his dad had been telling him the entire time that he was a sales clerk and that that he had some really deep relationship with this guy turns out he didn't the guy didn't even know him uh, so I think the same is happening with Willie where he's saying, you know, a lot of things like I used to be a great salesman. I think he thinks that too. Uh, people really like me. I don't think that was ever true. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, well, then how did he's he get, lying to himself. Why does his neighbor love him so much? I don't know that his neighbor loves him. It does I mean, seem like it. Like, I at mean, the he's end, like, I think he pities him, but I don't know that he loves him. He comes over, tries to play cards with him, tries to have a conversation when, you know, like uh, Willie keeps taking money off of him. And it's like, you know, Willie, I'll just give you a job. Um, mm-hmm. And I, he said, like, I think he did say he's like, I really liked you. Like, uh, you know, your 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 kids were good, solid friends to my kid. And I I, I see. That's the thing. I, I I can't wait to watch this movie again or mm-hmm. others like it, but I couldn't quite get. I think definitely Willie is fabulizing. And you see there's some point where Biff oh, yeah. realizes it. It's not so much that Willie put it in his head that, oh, you're this big, important sales guy and he owes you. I think Willie was saying that to impress his dad because Willie or um, I'm sorry, not Willie. Yeah. Biff calls his younger brother on mm-hmm. it because he's like, you know, when you were the assistant manager to the you were like the associate assistant to the assistant manager. And yeah. his brother's like, well, I was practically hey, you're practically full of full of shit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is something where like Willie was a middling success because he did. He had a car, he had a house, wife, two sure. kids, you know, the picket fence, the, the whole he was keeping up with the Joneses. But he would conf- he would inflate that to inspire his sons to greatness. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, then absolutely. he thought like, oh, well, I'm going to get you know, they're going to go to good school and they're going to get good grades and they're Adonises. They're big strapping guys who play sports well. They're going to have my base, but they're going to be even more well-liked and more popular. And they're going to, but like, it was a way to set unrealistic expectations because he set these boys up with these grandiose thoughts. And when it turns out, they're just kind of like mediocre people, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. They, they had to like make things up to live up to that expectation and those expectations go. And also the big, you know, do we want to talk about that? The big reveal the Boston reveal, yeah, because sure. I kept on I mean, like that. It. That's where it's like you know because you first like oh well he would have uh, he would have been somebody but he flunked that one math class. So it's like why did yeah why did uh, why did he flunk that math class? And then 
he goes and he talks to his son's best friend and he's like, you know, Willie, I this is a mystery to me because that isn't the thing that crushed him. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a setback, but he was already planning on going to summer school. And what happened is he went off for a month and met you in Boston on a sales trip and he came back a changed man. Mm-hmm. And, and his father says know. he laid down. He just gave up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it turns out that what happened is the 17-year-old kid showed up to kind of like ask his old man for advice and his old man was fucking some blonde thing on the side. And it completely mm-hmm. destroyed his son's image of Willie as this heroic figure and made yeah. him kind of give up. And, and yeah, I realized that the man had been lying his entire life, right? I think that's the thing that kicks in there is he realizes, yeah, it it breaks his image of his father and he realizes he's a liar and he's just a bad person in general. And so all this advice he's been getting from his father now just feels completely hollow. It feels I, like the opposite of advice. And the way they set that up with one card stacking on top of the other, it's like it starts yeah. early where like John Malkovich is wildly defensive when his, when his mother says something about a woman called and said something. He's like, what woman? And because he's all like, he's like, oh, my God, did mom find out what is going on? And then so it's like you're like, huh? And then there's this mysterious, but it's like by the time you get to what actually happened, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. And like, even though, you know, it can't not happen this way there's they do such a good job of like willie almost pulls it off yeah yeah like i'm kind of hoping like okay god he got the kid out of there before the gal came out of the bathroom and but then he's got to come back for his suitcase and now that's the story of willie like almost almost he he almost gets there on every front right um yeah and it's just Either he doesn't have what it takes or what it takes is not realistic or something and it just falls apart on him. It's it's really tragic. And no one's at no one's ever able to have a loving conversation about what's going on. Like the mother says, you boys uh, really should spend time more time with your father because, you know, like you're the only thing that he kind of sparks up when you guys come around. And instead of you know, processing that the boys instantly bicker about who is the worst son. Well, you did this and you did that. Well, I did this and you did that. And, you know, and, and, and there's also like an, a certain amount of pity too that like Willie at this point in his life, he has almost won. His house is almost paid off. Mm, That's going to yeah. be such a huge thing. He probably could retire if he even wanted it's to. The, it's the final tragedy of the movie that scene. So he's yeah. made it. And right as he makes it, he kills himself. Mm-hmm. And leaves an empty house for his a paid off empty house for his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's that's the final tragedy. <laughs> that's that's rough. Um, yeah, I, I, he's he's a mess, man. He's a mess. Uh, and and I think it stems from there's something that Ben says. Or I think it's Ben. No, no, it's his neighbor. Um, something his neighbor says about the, I guess the fragility of image um, you know the the salesman aspect the thing about salesmen is once people once once you lose even a, a couple of scratches on that reputation the yeah. whole thing's tarnished and I think that's the story of Willie Loman he was a couple scratches short of attaining whatever dream he had you know yeah. he made a couple of bad decisions he decided not to go with his brother to Alaska 
and he decided to sleep with this woman on his business trips and that basically destroyed him those two things yeah refusing to be a part of the slave mine in africa and and uh fucking this piece of road strange is the thing that happened and Mm-hmm. It, it, like I said, I just I'm just amazed at how close he came. Like if he hadn't, and also like that, yeah. that's because that's the thing. It's like I found that a lot of people when they analyze this movie is like, what did Willie Loman do wrong? And I think that's an entirely <laughs> is like, am I crazy to say it's an entirely wrong way to look at this film? No, because I, like, I agree. yeah, if he had done gone to Africa with his brother, his brother might have like fucked him over, screwed him over, and sure, you know, because sure. he's that type of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if. Uh, uh, and, and like I get the idea is like I don't think it's the only time he had an affair so but also like yeah like you just you know he's he's playing this game that's high stakes like he's like trying to keep up with the you know he's got this uh, refrigerator can't afford to buy a brand name so he buys a off brand that breaks before he has it paid off he's got this great line where he's like I'm always in a race with the junkyard you know it's <laughs> uh-huh. like can I buy something and pay it off before I have to junk it and buy something else um yeah. It's, you know, there, I, I think I, you're right. That's the wrong way to look at it. He's he's not because like like I saw one this one comment on Reddit. Like it's mm-hmm. all important for him to go to his boss and get this change in his career, and instead he flips out and torpedoes it. And that's a fucked up way to analyze that situation because he had mm-hmm. already failed before he stepped in the office. That even yes. if he was the sweetest even if he said everything right his boss had already made up his mind that like we can't have you representing us for big clients because you're old man Willie Lomack and you're losing your mind there's nothing he could have done so yeah he blew up and said a bunch of stuff and that's you know did, mm-hmm. but like there was no outcome where he could have gotten the good ending there and the fact that so many yeah. people like were spilling ink as if Oh, well, if he just had kept his cool and, you know, put in a couple good words, he'd have been fine. Just like the son. No, there's no reality that he was going to go in that meeting with this guy and get $15,000 to start a sporting goods shop with his brother. No, no. Even if he didn't steal his pen, it's not it's not happening. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. It's like that. I saw another. It's like, what's well, you know, like this is this is like the fatal flaw of the Loman that they they're their own worst enemy. Are they or are they no, just they, boy that's missing the point boy that's it missing really the point. Is. it really uh, is the, the, the zero sum thing that I talked about you, you mm. cannot have every no one who doesn't become their own worst enemy is guaranteed anything in this country yeah like you could do everything right you could do everything exactly right and still lose your house and lose your livelihood and lose your family and die penniless and unloved it's not do, a personal failing that brings you there. It's and you can sometimes you can do, dumb luck. You Most can do of everything the time, wrong. Dumb luck. You can you can do the opposite of everything that Mister Rogers and Sesame Street taught you to do. And if you got the right family, the right connections, and the right starting cash, you can go far. You can like there is no rhyme or reason to it. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. What is Biff's failing? If that's your, if that's your hypothesis on what Willie Loman's failing is what is Biff failing because Biff is a man who was destroyed by his father uh yeah. that that's it is that his own fault yeah. that he caught his father in an affair and ended up un, unable to trust authority figures and and rebelling at every turn by stealing things and getting thrown in jail I mean is that 
because look at him look at him before that he was doing everything right by the the standards of the american dream right all-star quarterback on the football team he was he was hitting all the notes he had everybody in his pocket girls loved him it was yeah that's just not realistic there's also this um the materialism of never just being happy with what you've got like again you know willie kept his eyes prize almost you know almost won the game had a house paid off could retired but you know like his 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 brother or no his son said he's never as happy as when he's looking forward to something that's pretty fucked up you're never mm-hmm. happy in the moment it's just like oh someday things are going to get better um yeah. You know, maybe we don't have the newest refrigerator. Maybe we can. And like what is what is like boss said is so fucked up where he's he's like infatuated with this piece of technology, this recording thing. It's terrible. He's recording these screeching things of his kid learning to whistle and his wife completely uninterested mm-hmm. in it. And he's bullying her doing it. And what did he say? He's like, you know what? I threw out all my other hobbies and I got this thing and it's the best thing for relaxation and recreation. It's like this this thing that I've got now and you know, in four weeks, it's going to be sitting collecting dust in the corner. He's going to be on to another hobby. This this uniquely sure. American thing of like always having to get the next thing, more convenience, more. You got to work hard so you can relax and really enjoy life. You know, mm-hmm. um, it it is. It's 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 just a treadmill we find ourselves on. It's uh, it's insane, and it leads you to where he, you know you starts making these dark connections where it's like you know somehow. After all the train rides and all the business trips and all the sales, somehow I end up worth more dead than alive. Mm-hmm. And that thought, I thought it was grimly humorous that like Willie Loman was delusional even in his planning of his suicide. Yeah. Right. He starts off as like, well, I just kill myself and I give my wife and child like they'll finally get their, their chance to have a fresh start. First of all, your your kids are now in their mid thirties. Should have killed yourself fifteen years ago. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Second is like, <laughs> second is like you know he's talking to his bro- I think his dead brother and like mm-hmm. he's just hyping himself up to like, oh man, imagine the funeral. All my buddies from this are gonna come and this is gonna come and it's gonna oh and then my son's gonna be because he he's now he's gonna be free and clear. He's got his run you know blah blah blah. And then of course the sad coda to that is you go to the graveyard and it's Willie's wife his neighbor and his two sons and they're all saying like why didn't so and so from the firm come and why didn't no one mm-hmm. came to Willie's funeral because he was just a it's why who goes who goes to see an orange peel get buried yeah so like even yeah, his like grandiosity and his plans for his death he would have been disappointed in yeah um Another sort of theme of this American dream is how it traps people, I think, because Willie Loman is absolutely trapped. And he kind of states that uh, at some point during the movie, I, I think he's talking to Ben and he says, I think it might be during that scene where he's contemplating suicide. And he's saying, well, why can't you run? You know, if if this life is not doing it for you, why can't you just run? And he says, or, or you should just run. And he says, what if you can't run? And I think that's the thing. Like he's bought so firmly into this idea of what success is that yeah. he's unable to change things. And then the worst part is he's passed that along to his son. I the the thing mm. that like stuck with me is that the the scene, the the big scene, right, with uh, John Malkovich 
like having a total breakdown here and he just lays everything out like it's been for years we're going to party stop or, lying. Or, or the one afterwards at the dinner it's the one I, oh you're talking about the dinner table conversation the okay. dinner table yeah where he he lays out he says we're going to stop lying and yes. i'm going to tell the truth about our entire family and he does he proceeds to say it all and the thing that he comes away with is the, the, the feeling you come away with is this is a son who just wanted to be what he was without expectations being heaped upon him. Yeah. And those expectations come directly from Willie's failure to live up to his own ideal of what he should have been. And so now he's yeah. he's just pumping that into his kids. And like that's the true I guess trap of it. He's trapped by his father's image of him. Yeah. Uh and and you just you get stuck in those cycles where to you have to completely blow up your life to even understand that you're in a cycle like that and and you're you're at the end of the movie my idea is like biff is going to go off and probably get himself killed like he'll be dead in 5 years but his brother oh, hap maybe. his brother hap is going to redouble down on his dad's plan yeah, i want to follow which, like, I, I mean I, and it's like which which is even sadder which is even sadder, it, it, Biff, who's going to probably hit the skids and get in the drugs and, you know, be be dead in the ditch or Hap, who's going to be, you know, instead of Willie Loman, he's going to be happy Loman in another 30 years and be exactly where his dad is, where he's surreptitiously modifying his right. uh, water heater so we can. I don't know how that kills you. I, I'm not like it's so funny Some that like carbon monoxide. Yeah, but Willie's wife is more of a handyman because she's like, he's like, I saw this brass nipple and this and I just knew right away. I'm like, what? Okay, how do you die? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, he's going to be like his dad sucking on a rubber hose trying to die because his insurance is worth more than his paycheck is. It's well, at least he won't have any kids. Well, he might have kids. I guess he won't have a wife. Uh, It's interesting because I read biff's fate a little differently i didn't think that he is a guy who's now gonna go out there and end up you know hooked on drugs or dead or whatever um, what did you was what so what what was I his final having a true epiphany and, and breaking the spell that he's been under um and you know maybe he won't be a high power businessman but that's absolutely not what he ever wanted to be he just it's clear that all of these people just wanted to go be farmers or construction workers or something but that's not success right success is big business you got to start your own thing from the ground up and you got to move up the ranks and if you're not better than your neighbor you're nothing yeah i think at the end of this movie biff is okay being nothing huh and happy is the true tragedy happy's the one who like you said is going to follow his father's footsteps and be just miserable his entire life because he's not cut out for it either i was just thinking of like what is the prospects for a 35 year old man in 1960 uh who has no farming experience who has a criminal record well he's in excellent Uh, physical shape he can go into construction right I, I mean, guess, he can have a yeah. trades. He can he have can a trades job, his, so sure. he can break his back in in ten or fifteen years. And I, that's what I'm saying. Be I, part I, of a union, get a I, pension. I need to, I mean, I, I need to go back and listen to his solilo- graveside soliloquy again. But I, but I I definitely got a much darker interpretation of kind of like he's <laughs> completely because gotcha. that's the thing is like the American dream is rigged, but it's also the only game in town. There's no way to opt out of it. This is the other trap, right? right? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to join a tent city and just just vibe 
in you know yeah. like you're just like you're gonna you know like uh, like um uh john travolta said in in pulp fiction if you don't got an address or legal tinder you're just a bum and you know mm-hmm. the future of bums in america is is not bright so it's like i that's what i'm thinking it's like what yeah what yeah he sees that it's it's a it's a rigged game and he doesn't want to play anymore but like that doesn't go well like you gotta kind of even if it is a rigged game you kind of gotta try to play because else what, what are you gonna do go join the military go to jail uh die in a ditch uh, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of, not a lot of ways to just drop out of American society. You can definitely Absolutely, yeah. get a stable job that doesn't tax it too much. Keep your living standards low that, but like, I didn't get that he was going to do that, but maybe, maybe he's going to hmm. buy, you know, if it takes uh, his dad's, uh, insurance money, buy a little parcel in the country, get some seeds, do some subsidence farming, raise some chickens. I, maybe. But he's also in his mid thirties in nineteen sixty. Uh, did he even have a high school degree? I don't think. I don't so. think he does. Like he's got no. I don't think he finished school. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's darker for him, but I don't know uh, where they leave it. I suppose I saw it as more positive for him than anybody else. Um, Can we talk about? Uh, Dustin Hoffman's wife in this yeah because like the way he treats her I think is super interesting throughout this movie when they're just on their own together um, there's an attitude of uh, there's absolutely like a deference to him to Willie throughout their conversations it's all very focused on him and his needs and all that stuff and you know, it's a it's a weird of the era type thing. Um, but things get really nasty when he's talking to other people and she's around and tries to contribute to the conversation because he tells her to shut up and almost almost to the point of physically shutting her up uh, yeah. of like punching her or smacking her or something. Uh, you can see he's like almost restraining himself from doing that. I don't know if there's like a physical violence that happens there when the kids aren't around. Um, but I, I, I thought that most of that by the end of the movie, I, I was trying to read this situation the whole time. I'm like, why is he so antagonistic toward his wife here? It occurred to me by the end that it was guilt, that he feels a massive amount of guilt. And he, it, it, he just expresses that in a really bad way. Yeah. Like for well, for I mean, the affair, if it's not yeah, clear what I'm talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting because I took most of his anger and aggression as dementia symptoms. Like, um, there's okay. this great scene where his neighbor comes over to play cards with him, mm-hmm. and his brother shows up and starts talking. He has this like it's a it's a acting tour de force. It's one of those things where they're using the light and the camera perspective and shifting to yeah. foreground background and he's talking to his brother but then he's talking out loud so his neighbor's like what the hell are you talking about and then he gets Mm -hmm. mad and tries to tell his neighbor to shut up or his brother i i think that a lot of those things he's just getting confused and but but you're right he has a lot of guilt for his wife and how you know she's he's treated her not just in terms of like the potential physical violence and and uh, you know emotional violence and verbal violence but also the fact that he's cheated on her at least once 
But I and also he like, never I, became as successful as he expected to be. I think that weighs dude. on him. That's another guilt in his mind. Because you think the game's <laughs> rigged for the men of the era. The oh, women right. are like, we're going to try to bet on our Willie Loman and God Pick help us if we crap out. Pick a horse, any horse. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Our horse has got dementia. Oh, yep. fuck. Uh, yeah. Oh, or, oh my God. Injured in a uh, factory accident. Our, our, I just caught our horse engineering a suicide machine. Should I be worried? <laughs> you know, like what the fuck? You can't even get a. She can't even get a bank account in this era. You can't. You know, like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So it's like hers, and she's just scared to death because she's like, I think she really loves Willie. I think she thinks Willie's a handsome guy. Um, and she says as much. She like really mm-hmm. tries her best to pu- the the puff up her horse as much as she can. And God, I felt you can't it felt eat an bad apple and throw away the skin. A man is not a horse. It's true, true, or an orange. I don't know if that tracks. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that guilt. I mean, and it's it obviously the guilt runs deep with his son, right? Like the reason he's so nervous when Biff comes back, he's so uh, angry at Biff all the time, is because Biff knows his secret. And yeah. I felt so bad for Biff during this movie because he only ever wanted to please his old man. He learned that his old man's a liar and not worth pleasing. And then he's carrying this weight for him his through his life. Right. And it's fucking him up. He's, he's stealing things because he's got this anti-authoritarian thing now because his father's a sham of a man. And then he goes home and you know, uh, Willie's worried that he's going to spill the beans. I'm sure that's like part of the anxiety of his son coming home. And Biff's like, I gotta, I gotta keep this secret from my old man who I despise because he's a, a disgusting person. Yeah, it's I, I've just felt so bad for him. And then when his mom starts shitting on him, just saying, "Why can't you be the thing that he wants you to be?" and he can't tell her it's because he's a yeah. horrible person and he cheated on you. I mean, ah, uh, I felt so bad for him in this movie. And the contrast between when the kids are younger and they're like, daddy's home. We yes. miss you so much. And like, you can tell that he was a big part of their lives. And this is like up to the big game. Like, you know, he's like roughhousing with his sons and they're going back and forth. And like, you got to know that like for the, 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 that relationship completely changed. And, you know, from like his friend's perspective is like, is a huge change in this kid's personality and whatnot. And also what his dad mm-hmm. put him through when he caught, caught him with the mistress, it was first to try to bully him. Oh, I gave man. you a direct order. Why can't you all of a sudden you don't listen to your dad anymore. And when that's not working, patronizing him like, Oh, you're just a kid. You'll understand when, you, when you get older, you'll right? understand how complicated <laughs> these things are going to be. And then the kind of like co-opt him into it. And like, you know, you got to keep my secret at the, he just really does a full court press, emotional manipulation effect on this. It's like, yeah. yeah. And it's affecting his whole life. I mean, even his relationship with his brother, um, and, and it changed him in other ways too, right? He stopped sleeping around. Cause I think he was like, way into the girls when he was 17 and like the the star quarterback or whatever and he found out his dad uh was having an affair and suddenly he's not interested in that or is happy yeah over there doing that and that was another tragic thing with him you i didn't pick that up but you're right the two boys had a very different and i think they established that uh you know, Willie was like big. Oh, I mean, not Willie. Uh, was. Biff was popular because why wouldn't he be? He's a star quarterback. Uh-huh. He was good looking, tall. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, and he then doesn't do that, that anymore. Put him off Hap, Hap does. Hap's trying to get the two girls to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the, the one of the heartbreaking things is when Biff goes to him, he's having this this moment with his father, right? And his father is not responding to him, just his his more gentle coercion to try and get him to like admit that things aren't as he see as they seem. And he goes to his brother and he grabs him and he says, why can't you help him? You you could help him. I can't help me, you know, and mm-hmm. happy. Happy just doesn't give a shit. He does not give a shit about his dad at all because he doesn't have this secret. He's not he doesn't think his dad's an awful person, right? He doesn't have any reason to not help this man. Happy could, it seems, although happy's living a fake life, too, right? Like. Happy says, oh, yeah, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get this great job. And turns out he doesn't really. But but he's in a better position than Biff is, but he just doesn't care. It's sad. Why don't people like Willie Loman? I, okay. So my read is, I think people did. I think there is a time. I think that there's a little bit of Willie losing his mind, a little bit of him grandiosing and showboating for his wife and children that everything's going to be fine, even though, but like, I also think that there is like that Willie did work hard and Willie was likable and Willie had a good story and a good rapport, but he's getting older and it's slower and he doesn't remember people's faces as much. I think that he is, I don't think he was ever as successful as his neighbor or his, you know, boss's son, but I do think there Mm -hmm. was a core of the success that he's just kind of, he's kind of lost. And because he said, like, there's also, it's like, you know, his business is, what do you say? His business is a smile, like, like a knock on the door and a smile or something. And when people stop smiling back. Yeah. And I think there's a time in his life there because, you know, maybe and maybe it happened when the affair happened where like, sub, you know, deep down he knew he fucked up and he kind of doomed his son or he lost. I wonder that's if that's when is, the yeah. smile, you know, like it's all you go on the road and you make a lot of money and you chase a skirt and you drink and you you, you whore with your buddies and you go back home. And you get the family life, you charge it. And that's like a virtuous cycle for a man until mm-hmm. It got, I, until it's not. I feel like that was yeah a demarcating line in his life for sure like and and that's kind of what I was talking about with his wife and his you know uh, hostility toward her being yeah. sort of guilt because he displays hostility toward a lot of people throughout his life and I think uh, it's it's probably a result of that um, he feels like he's fucked up and he's resentful and angry and it just comes out and now people yeah. can people can see that right even beneath the smile people can see when you're not feeling your best or when you're uh seething or something it it comes through oh, i don't think sure. it's you know he talks too much or he makes a joke when he shouldn't be or he whistles in the elevator no yeah. those are those are the it's like it reminds me of um jesus who wrote the right stuff uh the, anyway, the book, the right stuff, like um, all of the test pilots, Chuck Yeager, and they'd go into that, uh, you know, diner that's outside the test range. And every time one of their own would get exploded because they're writing these uh, Tom Wolf. Thank you, Talitha. Tom Wolf and the right stuff. He writes this. that they This is a ritual that the test pilots would do where it's like, you know, they're on they're essentially writing these untested missiles mm-hmm. with shitty controls, a science that's poorly understood and the reality is you're just going to die every once in a while. 
mm-hmm. you know you're trying to go past a sound barrier or whatever you're you're just gonna but the test pilots can't live with that so it's always like they get together and they figure out what the other guy did wrong oh well, he gotcha. should have turned his flaps on or oh he tried to do this instead of bailing out he didn't have the right stuff mm-hmm and I think that's where, like, Willie, instead of being like, well, this is a rigged game and I'm just getting old and this is a young man's game and I'm running like, I'm just, oh, I, I, it's because I whistled that one time or it's because I broke eye contact or yeah. I had an awkward exchange. Um, no, it's just that, you Well, know. I, th- I think there's a reality to it as well because he, I think he says at some point that he punched a client for calling him the shrimp or, or he heard them talking about shrimp and punched one out. Oh, shit, I missed that. Yeah. And, and I think... I want to say that was after his affair was discovered by his son. So that definitely was what happened. He became, yeah, he became a bitter, angry man and people stopped liking him then. And I also wonder if it's, it's one of those things where it's a mirror effect where it's like, you know, it's not that he showed up and the smiles weren't there. He showed up and his smile wasn't there. So it wasn't returned. And Mm -hmm. cause that's the thing. Like you salesman, you don't go to a salesman for a sob story. (laughs) You don't go to 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 Jack lemon. No, you go to Al Pacino. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alec Baldwin is not going uh-huh. to tell you that he just fucked around on his wife and his kid caught him and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at your feet. You're wondering where else is going. <laughs> no, nah, he's closing. Right. Um, so it's yeah. like definitely. And now I'm thinking about it more because, again, I've seen this a lot the once. But like, yeah, it does seem mm-hmm. like that fucked up Willie as much as it did his son. Like that yeah. was where and it's like maybe that was the thing that like him and his son know why they got it worse than the others because they are the only two men that were dealing with reality everybody else was dealing with the fictitious fiction that their dad was peddling and willie um, was trying like, desperately Will- not to deal with it willie and biff both knew the rot was at the core mm-hmm. um and it was you know the phone call was coming from in the house and that silence between the two it's the reason why will uh biff stayed away longer and longer and didn't yeah. want to come back and you know and then and mom's like why don't you do that and, and i can't tell you and yeah, yeah yeah uh do you think he gets the insurance money is there any indication that that's true i i know his wife says she paid the last mortgage payment that day so maybe we get the insurance money his family i think so i don't think there's any like i think that's the tragedy is that they're going to you know, his wife okay. would would you know like imagine uh, how happier she'd be if you know, you know Willie just retired and um, mm-hmm. and and his son you know is going to go off. Uh, that's my interpretation of Biff. He's going to go off half cocked, and then Hap is the <laughs> most tragic. Uh-huh. He's just going to Willie Loman part two. Yep. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So we get a scant and that's brief the th- details about Willie's father. Um. I, I was going to talk about him. Did you want to say something else about Happy or just that like maybe Happy can make it because if you do the Willie Loman thing with just reasonable expectations, which I, you know, I'm going to grind out 35 years. I'm going to be able to have my house paid off. Maybe I move in the old man's house and like, I'm just happy with that. I, I, if you I, don't die broke in a gutter sick, like Edgar Allan Poe in America, you've kind of won. You know, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of like you're not going to get extra points for having 150 billion dollars when you slide into the box at the end, right? Like if you just go in there with like a little bit of coin in your pocket and you didn't have to be homeless and you didn't have to be broke and you didn't lose your mind, then you kind of won. You won the American. That's the American dream. The more you go in with, the less successful you were, honestly. Yeah, because you have obviously not lived to your full potential. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you're just your 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 surplus value is just what 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 were you what were you mm-hmm. what were you optimizing your life for? You know, um, right? No, that's kind of where I go with uh, with Biff. Seeing that as sort of a personal revelation he's had, and viewing that as like a positive thing. Because yeah, if I mean the the I guess cure for the American dream is not expecting it. Um, you you if everyone could could kind of take a dose of that at the same time, maybe we could figure some things out. But you know, like you said, it's it's a fool's errand to do that. Because LSD you're in the water in the supply, Jim. Bold strategy. We'll see how it plays out. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. God, I wonder what would happen <laughs> if everyone in America just trip balls for eight hours at the same time. Let's ask the scarecrow. He knows. <laughs> yeah, douse with some fear gas. Yeah, Doctor Crane. Anyway, what were you? You weren't going in that direction. You weren't going in the men who stared goats direction. No, no, it was it was more like. Yeah, I mean, Happy could have a reasonable life if he doesn't have expectations as lofty as his father's, but... But that's clearly not the story they're telling at the end there. Yeah, he's he's not cut out for it. He's he's no. a person who has the same problems with image that his father does. He wants everybody to think that he's this high-powered salesperson when, in fact, he's just, like, an assistant to an assistant or whatever. Yeah. Um and he's so interested in women and I I don't know if this is like part of I, I mean it, it's obviously a reflection of some of uh Willie's stuff too, right? Cuz if you're not obviously one of the things he was was over over occupied by the thought of women cuz you know, he had an affair. I I could see happy ruining his own life in the same way right like okay biff has been stealing and he's been going to jail but happy has been spinning his wheels just getting laid every day not thinking about his future at all so i yeah he's he's also a very tragic character mm-hmm. just in a different way in in a way that is weirdly more acceptable i think to most people yeah i, I can go with that well, I think that's going to wrap it up a uh, conversation about the death of a salesman, the 1985 version, David P. Thank you for the existential crisis that you gave me yesterday and uh, for this fine <laughs> conversation I had with Jim. Uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you made us see that. It's been kind of one of those things on my list. Like, I, yeah, I definitely want to see one of these uh, to death <laughs> so, of a salesman eventually, right? Sometimes I feel uh, guilty that we do commissions because I've got this massive hole in my pop culture knowledge and and honestly in becoming a fully realized human being uh and i just let people pay me to fill those holes it's it's kind of absurd that this happens but thank you very much it's the luck of the draw man we no 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 we worked we worked hard to get here it was the sweat of of our brow and the might of our indomitable will that got us to middling success in podcasting and by god Mm -hmm. we're gonna hold on to it with both hands uh, thanks again, David. You might be wondering, how can I get Jim and Aaron to watch my favorite 1985 television series event? Well, let me tell you about a thing called Commission Podcast. Go to support.baldmove.com, click on the Commission of Podcast link, plunk down your money, you tell us what we want to watch, two-ish hours of media, and we'll make the rest happen for you. Again, thanks to David for this podcast. Uh, commission your own at support.baldmove.com. We got a bunch of cool commissions ahead. Uh, the second raid uh, over the garden wall. Someone went, went right. wild and and, and uh, uh, commissioned two Halloween films. We got Bram Stoker's Dracula. A bunch of stuff 
in the months ahead. Uh, but if you want to get yours in the queue, do it now. Support.baldmove.com. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Again, final thanks to David P. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.